This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Ali Levine. You guys, I am so excited to have another incredible guest on with me. I have Emily Lauren Dick, and she is a body image expert and activist who is committed to making girls feel comfortable in their own skin. Her book, Body Positive, A Guide to Loving Your Body, is the number one resource for young adult women who desire to redefine and understand true beauty. Emily believes educating young people about body image Teaching resiliency and normalizing real bodies is critical in combating negative thinking and improving self-esteem. And you guys, I recently got her book and it is so good. I highly recommend it. Emily, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. I really, I told you before we started recording, I absolutely love your show, your, your show, your book. Maybe you need to have a show too. <laughs> um, it's, it's so great. I love, it's very, um, you know, it's very easy to kind of flip through. You don't have to consume it all at once, which is kind of my favorite kind of books because being a busy mom, I don't have time. Yes. Um, and I love it kind of just like has great like images in it and just really kind of drives home, you know, what I just said in your bio and what you really speak to on your platforms and you're sharing on social of like how important body positivity is. And so I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and your story of like why it's so important to you and why you decided to go ahead and then, you know, create this book. Absolutely. So like every other woman out there, I have struggled with my body image throughout my, my life. And, uh, when I went to university, I, my eyes were really open to all of the reasons behind why we develop negative body image. And I felt like it validified so many of the things I had felt throughout those years and made me want to challenge the things that we think about our bodies. And I wanted to make this information accessible because I was in university and I was just learning about it. So, you know, when I really needed it was when I was 12 years old and, you know, going into the teen years. So I thought about how I could make that accessible and easy to digest and not so theoretical. And uh, I started writing um, body positive and I started interviewing different women and different girls about their experiences because I really wanted to provide a variety of perspectives because we all experience negative body image but our experiences with it are different based on our backgrounds, how much privilege we hold in society. And I really thought it was important to include that aspect as well. And then on top of that, I really wanted a visual component because I feel like some people just learn better when they see. And I wanted everyone to see someone that, that reminded themselves of, of who they are in the book. And so I photographed um, 75 women for the book and, uh, and here we are now. <laughs> wow. You photographed them. That's awesome. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So you kind of like chose, you know, like, okay, I really want to obviously represent everything. So 
you went and found those different women to photograph and how you want it to look. And so very much were a part of obviously the aesthetic and creation, not only just the writing of your book, but actually the entire picture. Yeah, exactly. And it was actually the hardest part was finding people willing to participate that weren't that stereotypical model look. So it's, it's intimidating to, to pose in just an underwear or your bathing suit. Um, but it was really important that I had a variety of body types. So it took me years to really get enough people who were, who were willing to, to, to be photographed for a book in, in their underwear. Yeah, vulnerable, right? I mean, it's yeah. very vulnerable thing to share your body like that. I mean, I know for myself, you know, as a new mom, I definitely struggled with my body massively and had such a hard time, especially in the first year with realizing like there wasn't going to be this quote unquote body bounce back that I had yes. been told for so long. And I had seen for so long and when it didn't happen for me, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I am a pretty petite, you know, woman. And I, everyone else I've seen around me, that's pretty petite, like has had their bounce backs. Like why, you know, and it's like, and I still have those moments now with, you know, two girls and, you know, obviously pretty close to you no know, pregnancies. And my first daughter was a C-section and I got, um, I got diastasis recti from mm-hmm. the C-section. I still have it. And I, you know, I look at my body so many times and I'm like, wow, that's just like, still there, huh? Like, even though I had to be back with Arlie, my second, and I thought my body would do things differently, like somehow that, you know, this is still there. And and I think it's interesting, you know, when you talk to other women, you know, who have given birth, obviously, and can kind of relate a bit, little bit more to you looking at your body differently versus maybe someone who hasn't, because I think, you know, in my opinion, the difference of like, when you're just someone who maybe went through a life change in the sense of, um, you know, maybe you went from being really small to then really big because something else traumatic happened in your life, or you just chose to, you know, have more in your life consuming wise, and then you ended up being a bigger size than you used to be. I mean, there's so many things, right? But it's interesting when you actually give birth and you see, like you watch your body transform, right? Like, you know, you carried that baby and you know, you had that belly and it's almost like you embrace and love on my belly so much. And then, oh, I did. And then like you have the baby and it's like, you almost forgot you had the baby there because you're looking at your body and you're like, Oh, what is this? You know? And it's like, well, yeah, you just, that was the home for the baby. Like, why, why are you standing here? Like, this is terrible. Why do I look like this? I know that's been one of my biggest struggles for, you know, body positivity with myself. And I know you're a mom too. Like you said, you struggled with this for a long time, but I'm curious, like from, you know, the younger years to actually like being pregnant and becoming a mom did you see a difference in the way you kind of judged and looked at your body? I think, yeah, like there's, because I was so immersed in this body positivity, I think I was a lot more resilient when I, when I had my kids, I definitely fell into the trap of uh, wanting to bounce back as well. But for me, I think it was more about wanting to feel like myself again. And I was associating that with my appearance because you just so want to 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 be who you are and feel like you own your body and things like that and you think that you can do that through bouncing back or trying to lose weight and I did I I fell a little bit back into into those old habits and that old way of thinking um and it took me a while to get back into reminding myself that our bodies are meant to ebb and flow we're meant to change um and focus on the all the great things that are not about my physical appearance like I was being a great mom to my, my kids, you know, and we, for, we forget those things when, when we're so fixated on, 
on our peers, but, but it's not our fault. We're, we're taught that by, by society. It, we are grown up thinking that our bodies are what determine our value and our worth in this world. So no wonder we struggle with it. Right. Exactly. Right. It's like what's on magazines, it's what's on TV. It's, you know, the, the pharmacy is constantly telling you to get on this fad diet, take this pill. This is going to make this go away. This is going to, you know, drop 25 pounds in two days. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And you're right. It's fed to you constantly, right? It's like, Hey, you need to do this. Hey, this is how you get here. This is how you're going to feel better. This is how you're going to look better. And, and you do, it's this programming of like, Oh, this is going to make me feel better. And, and you start to believe it and you do of believe course. it. And, and, you know, I'm curious for you when you started kind of waking up to all of that programming and realizing so much of it was conditioning and society and all the things you were being around, how did you change that and essentially be to where you are now? Because that couldn't have been an easy shift. So like, I feel like for anyone that has any kind of eye opening with anything to do with programming in our society, at first it's very triggering. And after that, it's a lot of like, how do you do the work to then undo and essentially relearn to start over? For me, a, a big part of it was really looking into the facts, like the, not the facts that these diet companies want us to see, the correlations that they're making with studies that they're funding, like really dig into the research. And um, what a lot of people don't realize is that 98% of diets fail and they fail for a reason because they, you, they don't want them to work for you. They want you to keep spending your money and keep coming back and doing those things. So they continue to feed us these, these promises, which are just disguised as creating insecurity in us and, and making us come back and, and recirculating the cycle. So for me, it was really understanding the, the way that that worked. And for me, that was really empowering because it allowed me when I'm feeling, and, and still like, I mean, body image issues don't just magically disappear. Like it's a constant struggle. Um, you know, but I constantly ask myself who is benefiting from my, my feeling negatively about my body. And that is the one thing that really has gotten me through is who is profiting and who is benefiting from this. And, you know, then I have to remind myself, of course, what, so what, so what if I'm fat, right? So what if I'm this? So what if I'm that? Let's, let's then deconstruct the things that we think are bad, which is, we think being fat is bad. So we really have to recognize our internalized fat phobia and our way of thinking of associating fat with bad and, and thin with good. And, and that really can help you start re-challenging and re-sort of configuring the way you think in your mind and creating those opportunities to, to challenge those negative thoughts when they come up. Right. Well, and that relearning that you just spoke to. And, you know, it's like, there's a difference, right? Between if you're quote unquote fat and actually super unhealthy and like at a place where it's like, no, there needs to be intervention because like you could actually get sick and die from this or you're just, you know, at a healthy, heavier size and that's just where you are and, and your body is healthy and you're fine. And then there's like, you know, that super thin where it's like, they want to portray that it is totally good and healthy, but there's so many who are then dying on the other side of that and aren't healthy and are struggling. And so, you know, it's like you just said, it's really understanding like the real, the realness behind it versus just what the words are and essentially what they kind of want to condition you to believe with that. 
Yeah, like even medical facts, if you if you think about that, you know, we think, oh, um, if you're morbidly obese, that means you're unhealthy. Well, first of all, we have to think about it in two ways. One, um, health is not an indicator of value either. So whether you're unhealthy or not, that that really says nothing about your moral fiber and who you are as a person. And secondly, there's a lot of um, research that is now being done where weight stigma is actually the cause of a lot of these health issues. It has less to do with the actual fat on your body, um, these these mortality rates and, and things like that. It has more to do actually with the type of care you're receiving because of fat phobia and stigma around being fat. So people, for example, who are fat and have health issues might not be seeking medical care and might be dying because they're afraid of being judged for mm -hmm. their bodies. Mm -hmm. So we see these stats and we automatically think, oh, well, being fat is bad. It can lead to death and things like that. It's not actually like you really have to look at what the connections are in between. And yes, of course, in some cases, you know, um, being overweight and things like that, there, there are certain, you know, ratios of fat that can cause and lead to health issues, but we really have to look into each individual case and still at the end of the day, remember that whether you sit on your couch all day or whether you're running, it, it doesn't make you a bad person. Right. Oh, absolutely. When you say that the moral fiber, it doesn't, that, that doesn't dictate who you are, like at your core and your heart. I mean, there's so much to that. Um, and, you know, I love what you said about just um, breaking down like the actual, like even medical facts and I think that goes back to what you were saying you in the beginning of like, it's almost like not only society has programmed and conditioned, but also in my opinion, there's like this heavy fear base besides the shame mm -hmm. and the fear is there for a reason because the fear keeps you in doing the same system and the same programming and you don't change it. And so for you, Emily, I'm, I'm you know, I appreciate, you know, what you shared about, you know, your journey thus far, but I would love for you to share also like that fear component if you're, you know, um, about being vulnerable in that space and how you work through switching from that fear to actually being like, I'm going to take my power back and going to own this because it certainly shows that you have on your platforms and with the book you created, but it's not easy for many people. I know even for me, as I've switched out of fear over the years to really have faith over fear and to really kind of come back home to yourself and trust in yourself versus maybe what medical systems are telling you versus maybe what mm -hmm. society is constantly telling you and conditioning you to believe. Because a lot of people would say, well, you know, that's crazy or, you know, it, but it's medical facts or it's this or it's that. And it's supposed to be just, that's the be all end all. But I think a lot of us are learning, mm -hmm. especially in this time, that that's not really true. Yes. And so for you, what was that like to kind of step out of that fear and how did you, and, and how do you continue to move yourself forward and kind of move the needle forward in your own life? I think it's sort of like a journey. I, I don't think, you know, you start at one spot and you end at another. I think it's, it's a pathway. And I feel like I get braver and more empowered as I continue this journey. Um, but, you know, it's for me, what, what drives me is, is avoiding the feeling of shame. I don't want any woman out there to feel the shame that I know I've experienced, the embarrassment, the worry about my body. You know, we, we walk out of our homes and, you know, we apologize if we haven't shaved our armpits or our legs, or, you know, if our, you know, if we have muffin top and things like that, like 
why are these things so shameful? And I want to take away the shame. I want to normalize real bodies. I want us to not have those thoughts that, that naturally are internalized in, and come up in our, in our minds. Because the way I like to think about it is the first thought we have is what we've been socially conditioned to think. And the second thought we have is, is what we want to think, is what we're challenging ourselves to, to think and believe. And I really think that the more we practice that, the more we challenge those thoughts that pop up, you know, whether it comes to the way we see other people, but also the way we see ourselves, you know, who is it hurting if I don't shave my armpits today, you know, or, or who is it hurting if I do at the same time, we have the power to choose and we should never make anyone feel ashamed for doing what they want with their bodies. And I think that really has what has driven me because this fear, this fear and shame is really interrelated. We're, we're scared to be ourselves because we're taught that if we are ourselves, then we will be rejected from society. And I don't want anyone to feel that way. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so true. I've had this conversation several times on my podcast in all different realms from wellness to motherhood to spirituality and all different, you know, modalities of, you know, how there is so much fear in our society, how there is so much programming around this, whether it was done on purpose or not, and it's existed for decades and mm-hmm. how we essentially not only break out of that, but what you just said of like taking your power back of being like, you choose how you react, you choose how you step into things, how you see things, your perspective, and how, you know, you choose to show up for yourself and for the world. No one should tell you, you have to be inside this box. You have to be a certain way in order to be quote unquote, liked in order to be quote unquote inclusive. It's like, when did we get so far away from the idea of inclusivity, but we didn't include ourselves. That's where I Mm -hmm. feel like we are now. It's like, okay, great. We're including everyone, but like somehow we forgot ourselves. Like you're not important anymore because you're trying to fit in this box with everybody else. And it's like, but that's not the way we came into this world. It's, you know, we came into this world to be individually ourselves. There's only one Emily, you know, Lauren Dick. There's only one Allie. Like, you know, that's, that's what is the beauty of, you know, each of us. And it's like, that's been taken away from us for so long now. I even feel like sometimes in, in even the body positive niche, right? Sometimes I feel like I need to be performative in sort of being body positive. And I think I constantly have to remind myself that I just need to be true to who I am. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to grow. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to learn new things. And we have to allow for that, for people to, to change and grow and develop and not be so hard on each other and everyone and, you know, not hold each other to these impossible standards. Uh Yep. I completely agree. And I, and I love that you said that. I appreciate you being transparent and vulnerable about that of like, even in yourself and your platforms and what you do that, like, you're like, at the end of the day, I'm human. I change my mind. I learn new things. I figure this out. Something else doesn't work for me. I don't resonate. You know, it's, we all are humans, right? We're all just doing, you know, the best we can. We're all on our own journeys. And just because maybe, you know, you think one thing one day doesn't mean you can't change your mind. or doesn't mean that something else affected you. And now something is different. You know, it's, that's life. And I, I think you're right. You know, it's like, even in the body positive space, I've noticed it too. It's like, there's a very performative aspect of like, you mm-hmm. must speak to this, but then don't speak to these things. And it's like, well, why not? Because if it's really body positivity, then it should be all the things. 
Exactly. And what, and what, whatever drives you on that journey, because it, every person's journey is a little bit different and, and we just need to be open to that, you know, unless you're physically harming someone, you know, just, just let it be. Yeah. I'm with you. Amen. <laughs> I need to write that down. <laughs> like, sometimes, like it's serious though. It's like, sometimes it's just like the smallest little silly reminder of just like, just, just keep going, just keep going. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's so interesting, you know, like when I get trolled on social and DMs, oh. you know, emails, whatever else. And, you know, I tell people, I'm like, look, if I don't resonate for you, that's cool. I don't mm-hmm. have to like, move on, keep scrolling, unfollow, do what you got to do. Like, it doesn't have to be that big a deal that like you said, where it's like just the constant shaming and judgment and then putting people on these like pedestals and forgetting they're human and being like, what's wrong with you? Cancel you. You know, it's like, how about we all just take away that judge and shaming from everyone and let everyone just be human. But from what we're speaking to, so much of this does come from social media, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of this world of what we've seen and what's been created, I believe, and reflected into society is so much of this buildup on social media where you show up at this high right row and you have this performative aspect. Mm -hmm. And I do think slowly we're starting to see it crumble and it's changing. There's a lot of people like you and I and others who are starting to really kind of say, F that, I'm going to really just show up and be me. What is it like for you being in this kind of highlight reel space? of like, how do you handle that? And, you know, and, and manage that because it is like, even for me being that this is like one of my full-time jobs, like it's hard for me some days, like some, like last week mm-hmm. I didn't post all week because I just honestly, what I didn't feel inspired to create. And two, I just feel like I have nothing to say because everything feels stale right now. So like, what mm-hmm. is it like for you? I feel like sometimes I am saying the same things over and over. And I wonder is anyone listening? You know, I'm like, okay, like, but then I get a comment from someone who's read the book or is, you know, just come across my account and they tell me how much it's impacted them. And I always remember when I went into this, I, I said, if I just help one person, if I just change one person's mind or open one person's mind to, to see that there's something beyond what they've been led to believe, then I'm, then I'm doing a good job. But you know, the algorithms can do different things. So we really have to be conscious about who we're following, make sure that that it's making us feel good when we're online, because you can go down the wrong path or the wrong algorithm and end up in, in a space that's not making you feel good about your experience online. And we also need to remember to prioritize our ourselves, our self-care. And, and sometimes that is taking a social media break. Sometimes it's taking a, a media break. Sometimes it is taking a break from promoting a message, you know, as passionate as I am about body positivity. Sometimes I just need to take a step back and remind myself what I'm doing, rest up. And then all of a sudden, sometimes the, that's when the ideas will, will come flooding back and go, oh, I got to do a post about this, or, or I need to write an article about this. And, uh, you know, I think that's the, the tricky thing is finding that balance and remembering that you, you don't have to be performing because women in general, we feel like we're constantly on, we're constantly being watched and judged. I mean, that whole idea of the male gaze and, and, you know, social media can really amplify that in some ways, even though there's a lot of positives to it. So it's really trying to find that healthy balance. Yeah, absolutely. And I threw the word balance for me personally out the window a long time ago, because (laughs) 
I realized I was like, ah, there is no such thing for me anymore. Like as a mom, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, all the hats I wear, I'm just like, yeah, I'll, I'll stick to harmony. And, and, and that's on a good day, you know? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, you mentioned your book, obviously, you know, I told you I got your book. I love it. Tell us a little bit more about it, you know, for someone that wants to, you know, grab this book, kind of dive into it. What was obviously you've kind of talked about the intention, but besides the intention behind it, just what is it kind of like, you know, how was it for you creating this book and kind of birthing this book being that, you know, you did go through all these different things with body positivity and then chose to finally create something like walk us through that. Yeah. So really I wanted to introduce a bunch of different concepts and I, I like to find patterns and things. So I really tried to link those concepts. Um, so how, you know, our media usage and what we see is linked can be linked to mental health and eating disorders and even bullying and things like that. Um, and really what I wanted to do was not, I mean, it's not like there's these hidden secret answers to, to improving your, your, your body image, really it's, it's a journey. And I included um, quite a few journal prompts after each chapter to really help you start to challenge those thoughts that you normally have and challenge what you see in the media. And there's, there's a big focus on the media. Cause for me, that's that, that was a big influence in, in my life and, and where we get a lot of our concepts and ideas from. So for me, I wanted to teach young girls, especially how to challenge what they see in the media. And for me, a big part of that was also not making them feel guilty about consuming media. Um, it was something one of my professors had said to me in university, you know, like you can still enjoy a chick flick, you know, but acknowledge the fact that there are gender stereotypes and that, you know, the main character is always thin blonde, you know, like <laughs> let's, let's talk about those things and maybe take it a step further. What can we do next? Can we support maybe more actresses that have diverse body types? Can we write into magazines and say, we'd like to see more diversity in, in who they showcase in, in them and things like that. Um, so for me, it was really about empowering, but also providing some strategies for, for feeling better about yourself. Um, and I guess one of the really important aspects too with the book was, and I'm very thankful that my publisher kept it the way it was, was I included very raw and real excerpts from real women's interviews because, you know, I really wanted to, you know, we kind of organized them so that they started out a little bit more negatively and turned positively for each chapter, um, just to give you that boost of feeling good at the end of the day. Um, but I think it was really important to include those things because so often we don't see the the awful we don't talk about the the things that we keep inside and I really wanted people not to feel alone in their experiences because there's a variety there's people that were confident in their bodies 100% of the time and maybe they looked closer to the ideal body um, but then there were people that were very very large and and had very different experiences and we we need to hear both sides of, of those stories well, and I love that about your book, you know, about how I saw the kind of negative to the positive. And, you know, I thought that transparency was, you know, so great because you're right. And I think again, going back to society, right? We've been taught to not express our feelings. We've been taught to bottle it in. We've been taught 
not to say, you know, what we're feeling or what we're going through and, and to internalize it. And when really like now we're learning, that's actually the opposite of what we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> we should always be releasing our feelings. I was in a healthy, safe way, but always doing what we can to do the work to allow ourselves to then see it differently and say, okay, I'm, I, I'm all right. I'm safe. I, I'm not the things that I'm telling myself. I'm not the thoughts that are in my mind and in my head or have been given to me. And this is something else. And I, you know, will work through this and I will be okay. And, you know, I think you did a great job with showing that in the book of like, you know, hey, here's some really heavy stuff that came from some of these women, but then here's some other beautiful things that came from them as well. And so you can kind of see not only the ebbs and flows that we go through as women, but also the real ups and downs, because let's be real, especially as moms. Yes, we feel we feel it all, and we go through. I know I do. We get the constant oh ups yes and downs, and sometimes it's so high and so low. And <laughs> it's like a flipping roller coaster. So, <laughs> I mean, you know. So I think it's awesome, and I think it's great for young girls too, because you know, so many young girls do. I mean, sadly, look at all these celebrities and Hollywood, and you know, media, and are like. I want to look like that so much so that some of them are getting these crazy surgeries and change yeah. who they are before they even know who they are. And to me, I tell my husband all the time, like it's heartbreaking. You know, I think when I see these stories, I'm like, it's not about, in my opinion, to me, about acceptance of them. Like I will be accepting, but when you know who you are, not when mm-hmm. you're the young person who's just being influenced by everything around you and you believe that that's what you should be in order to fit in when really you should be doing everything in your power to stand out and be who you are. Absolutely. And it's so easy for young girls too today to change the way they look. Like for me, when I was growing up, you know, I didn't know how to do Photoshop and stuff. Now you just pick up your phone and there's filters and it's, it's scary. I mean, Dove did a study and they said 80% of girls age, age 13 and up are, are filtering themselves before posting images online like that's so sad so sad it's true oh, wow I didn't know about that study it's not surprising though because it's like you know I look at myself as you know late 30s and I you know and I use a filter most days because I'm on a hot mess and I'm tired <laughs> I try to always pick one that at least looks like way more real than not um but it's like wow if I feel that way and I'm a grown woman and I deal with my shit and I'm learning how to work through my shit how are these young girls feeling who don't have those tools, who don't know that this is totally normal? And again, like you said, society and everything else are dictating that they should be the exact opposite. And they're like, oh, so I need the filter. Oh, so I should get the body done. I should mm-hmm. get this. I should get tucked. I should get boob that, you know, all these things. And it's like, whoa, you should just like let yourself grow and learn yeah. and figure out who you are before you even think of doing anything and like accept yourself. And then if you want to do something because, you know, you really come to a place of where, you are then sure like no judgment do you but it's like this place of where we think we have to one fit in and then two you know look at everyone else and compare to like be at a certain place of quote-unquote happiness it's 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 really sad to be honest it is it's it's exhausting I I couldn't imagine being a teenager today and that's why I think it's so important you know that we we build as much resiliency in them as we can. And I always say like with my, I have a almost four-year-old daughter and a six-year-old son. And I always say they're, they're my sort of my test subjects and that I'm going to do everything in my human possibility to, to make them resilient against all of this stuff. And, you know, we're talking as early as, as now, because studies show it kids as young as 
three are having body image that's issues. Insane. Three, it's, my daughter's three. Like, yeah, that's, that's insane. Like yeah. literally insane to me. Exactly. But, but it's, it's true. And it's connected right. to, you know, certain, it, certain things like depends on how, how they see us reacting with our bodies, um, right. what they're seeing in the media. I'm constantly watching what my kids watch on, on oh, TV thanks. and I'm deconstructing thanks. things. And I'm like, okay, what they just said there, that's not right. That's not nice. All bodies are good bodies, you know, yeah. <laughs> starting to, to, to tell them little things. And, and eventually, hopefully they start to realize, and I can have those bigger conversations with them as well. Right. Yeah. You're, I was going to say, you're kind of plant, planting little seeds. So as they grow and they kind of start to tap into their own things and they can ask you more about it and actually have real conversation. Well, even my daughter, like, you know, she'll catch me like in the mirror, like getting dressed and kind of staring or I grab, like I'm terrible. I grab, you know, certain little spots that are like my poochie spots, my C-section. And, you know, my daughter will, she always, she's so funny. She will say to me, she'll say, oh mama, that's where you got cut, right? You know, she knows I have C-section yeah. her. And I'll say, yes, Amelia. And she'll say, oh yeah, because I got stuck. And I'm like, yep. And she's like, oh, and I'm like, but it, but you were completely worth it. And she'll say, yeah. And, and I came out, I made you so happy. And I'm like, that's right. And it instantly reminds me how yeah. grateful I am for my body as much as there's some days where I absolutely hate how it looks being so real and transparent. And I have such a love hate with it. But it really reminds me of like, that joy of obviously like what came from that and what happened and you know why it is that way you know and it's just it's it's so interesting how she at three is so conscious into seeing that with me in the mirror and then immediately like flips it for me you know it's it's yeah. it, it's, it's amazing and I'm like wow okay thank you for that you know what I mean my three-year-old is like constantly teaching me <laughs> Yeah, exactly. My kids always say that, that they like, when I put makeup on, they're like, what did you do to your face? Like, why are you wearing that? Right? Like they're, they're like, I like it better before. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh, okay. Cause I'm, I thought I should have this on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Right. I know I've been dissecting so much, especially when the pandemic hit so much of what the media does to keep us in fear and this like low vibration and frequency of who we are. And there's so much of it, obviously, and so many rabbit holes you can go down, but oh, yeah. it's so wild when you really think about the programming and the conditioning and all the things around us, that it really does come back to that place of fear and shame of what you spoke to. And that is essentially the goal so that you do oh, yeah. subscribe. It keeps you compliant. Right. Mm -hmm. It keeps you compliant. It keeps you not asking questions. It keeps you subscribing, spending, spending on that instead of spending on yourself and investing in your own self-worth and what you could do to actually change things and, you know, help yourself, you know, it's, and it's so, it's so wild to me when I have these kind of conversations with people who see this too, because it's like, it shows me that this is where we going, we are going as, as a collective yeah. that we are going to change it because we are, oh, yeah. we are awake to it and we are aware of it. And it's only a matter of time till this all doesn't work on anymore on, on the majority. We're on to all the, all the systems that they're yeah. using against us and we can take our power back. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Which I, you know, I love that. And it's funny. I was saying that the other day on, you know, on, on my stories, this one person DM me and they're like, what do you mean take your power back? And I'm like, this is a very heavy thing to dive into, but like, let's just leave it very simple. Like start looking at all things around you and what you give your power away to, and then yes. ask yourself, 
how can you take it back in, you know, in yeah. one simple way. And so this is a great way for us to, to, to kind of wrap up the show. Cause I could talk to you all night clearly because <laughs> um, <laughs> you're so on my wavelength, but um, I mean, talking about taking your power back, right. I'm sure there's so many things you've done to do that and continue to, to be where you are and what you speak to, but what was one of the first things, what would you share with my audience that's listening, especially those that may be struggling what was one of the first things you did or maybe something that you do now that really, really helped you take your power back that you would want to share? I think for me, the, the biggest thing was really understanding the system and how it's set up and understanding diet culture and how it profits from, from our insecurity. Um, and then I think, you know, we need to listen to our bodies be grateful for what we do have. I think so often we, we focus on what we don't have and what we need to do that we forget to look at all the things that our body does for us and whether it's breaking that down and looking at its biological functions and the fact that, that you know, it is the carrier of our, of our soul really, you know, then we can remind ourselves like what our purpose is and that our body has nothing to do with our, our value in this world. And I think really, you know, we need to think critically about what we think. So really question those internalized thoughts, listen to the second thought. And, and that is the thought that, that is going to drive where you're going next. I love that. That's oh, so powerful. Well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing all this. Tell us where we can find you and follow you. And of course, guys, everything will be in the show notes. Absolutely. So on Instagram, you can follow me at Real Happy Daughter. You can visit the website at happydaughter.com and the book is available anywhere you can buy books. Amazing. And guys, again, it'll all be there, including where you can get the book. There were so many incredible gems that Emily dropped on this show today, but there's anything you guys can really take away from this is how you truly question and look at the systems in play of how it makes you feel. If something gives you fear versus love or a joyful feeling, question that and ask yourself, like Emily said, of how you take your power back and how do you deconstruct that and look at it in a different way than what you were fed and what you were conditioned to do. So Emily, thank you so much for sharing and being so powerful. I love what you're doing, the body positivity space and just what you share. So till next time, guys, cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.